Yeah, right on. Right on. So, uh, cool. I guess this is maybe our very first episode for this kind of coffee talk for data streaming or streaming coffee, whatever it is. Streaming coffee sounds good. Streaming uh, caffeine. Streaming caffeine, yeah. Uh, but I mean, caffeinated uh, streaming. Yeah, sometimes I even drink uh, decaf. Depends on the day or the mood. But I really like coffee. So, by the way, that is my my talk on the current. Uh, yeah. Coffee on Kafka. I'm also using the kind of energy of uh, coffee a lot because there are so many different ways to carry data in a Kafka. Just like there's so many different ways to having coffee. Yeah. <laughs> some easy, some tough, some strong, some like you process, process the coffee beans. <laughs> Sounds good. It's like we're processing coffee beans in real time. Yeah. Streaming them. And also, we, we actually we are very serious for this uh, uh, coffee talk. So um, we are in we're delighted to be on the first one. We're in Vancouver. Yeah. This and uh, this is uh, one of the most beautiful city in the world. Is that uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, yeah, they also have a lot of uh, nice uh, coffee shops and uh, beans and build up uh, coffees. How about you? Cool. So I grew up in Vancouver, yep. um, but this is uh, first time back for the summer in a long time. Um, I grew up on in North Vancouver, which is from where we're sitting today, uh, back towards the bottom of Mount Seymour over there. But so I'm I'm pretty happy to be here. It's been a really nice summer. Really nice. It's like a little bit of rain, not too many, not too hot. There's been uh, no smoke from wildfires, so it's been pretty nice to be up here. Um, definitely a change from the Santa Cruz summers. Cool. Yeah, we can talk about that. Uh, so first, let's have some coffee uh, sure. at, at the beginning. So we, I have uh, latte, drip, maybe flat white. flat white. Fancy. Yeah, choose which one you want. Sure. I'll go for the flat white. Okay, cool. I shouldn't drink too much coffee. It's there we go. Okay. Flat white. So the first time I ever had a flat white was in Australia. Oh yeah, it's um, I think that's kind of where it came it's a big thing in Australia, I guess, right? Yeah, it's basically just hot milk in a coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess in, in many different uh, flavor is really the different yeah, ratio for the water for the really beer. Yeah, smoke tree is one of my favorite uh, coffee shop uh, in town. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> bread and coffee is the bread good. And then later we will uh, make some coffee uh, in the talk. <laughs> yeah, later we're going to make our own coffee, mm -hmm. just so everyone can see what we're going to do here. So we're going to make our own drip, and uh, Joe has brought, brought some some beans for us. Is this what it is, blue bottle? So we're going to make our own coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on. We're going to be very well caffeinated. <laughs> yeah, the idea that is, we so far with the beautiful uh, Vancouver at the background, with yeah. the friend, and we can chat almost everything. Yeah, cool. Um, again, we, we, we cannot use this office forever. Thank you for our friends from uh, eBuilding. Uh, again, uh, I guess the first talk is really about uh, like data streaming, like uh, stop your own company, yeah. challenges, how you work with your like users or partners or maybe AI. I mean, I don't really have uh, any schedule agenda. It's totally unscripted. Well, I think it might be kind of fun to do. I would love to hear the founding story of Time Plus, mm -hmm. and then maybe I can tell you the founding story of Bitewax. Sure. Um, and maybe you can start from a kind of more formal intro. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or even less formal intro um, for the people in your audience where you post it who don't know me. Um, so. Yeah, my background is, actually you don't know any of this either, so um, I was born in Canada, in Vancouver. Um, I actually went to UBC, which where we're sitting today is mm -hmm. just down the street, um, 
closer to where uh, Jove lives, I think. And uh, I studied civil engineering there. I have a civil engineering ring. This is a um, you get this when you graduate from civil engineering program. It's supposed to be oh, really? a civil symbol. <laughs> it's supposed to symbolize. Yeah, you'll see people. You'll notice it now. Okay, um, I thought that was probably a lot <laughs> Yeah, no, it's supposed to, uh, it's symbolic, and the, the purpose of it is to remind you of the implications of the things you're building. So it's kind of relevant across all practices, but I practice civil engineering, and this, it was actually made from, the original rings were made from an iron, uh, from the iron from a bridge that okay. fell down because it was uh, pushed uh, ahead of schedule, and uh, they, it was underbuilt. Okay. And so it collapsed and a bunch of people died. So it's supposed to be like, a, you know, the idea of like tying something around your finger to remember yes. uh, so that you don't forget. So it's supposed to be the same kind of thing. Anyway, so I, I finished my civil engineering program. I worked on a bunch of uh, hydropower projects and mining projects. So I was kind of going all over the place uh, in Canada, up north, and uh, venturing through the woods and all these crazy places. And... Um, and I, I, at one point I was working on a mine and I really got tired of the experience. I didn't really believe in what I was working on. So I, I left uh, the profession and I went to business school after, and that was in France. So I went to a, a business school called HEC Paris. It's uh, so famous. <laughs> yeah, just outside of Paris. Um, and I did a, a, a master's in management. Um, so a business degree similar to like an MBA. And part of it I did actually at tax, in Texas, at University of McCombs. And when I was there, there was a, um, it was a, a new um, uh, role and title that was created uh, called a data scientist that uh, DJ Patel um, created when he became the, well, it was slightly before, but he became the chief uh, data science officer of the United States. So it became this role, and if you liked math and statistics and science uh, and computers, it was like a really interesting thing to go be because you could just go take the scientific method and apply it to analyzing businesses. So in business school, I was like, cool, perfect, that's what I'll do. So I left business school, and I went to the Bay Area, and I started working in a speech technology company uh, called Verbio that was a little Spanish company that was trying to expand to the U.S., they were moving all of their speech recognition models from uh, using hidden Markov models uh, approach to neural networks mm -hmm. uh, with this open source framework called Kaldi. And that was when I kind of saw the power of deep learning. And I was like, this is so cool. I want to be able to craft a career on that. So I then pursued jobs where I could move from being a, more of a, um, a classical data scientist to being more in the machine learning machine learning infrastructure eventually this is the longest story to get where i'm going on how i started <laughs> bywax i worked at github on machine learning infrastructure and uh real-time uh machine learning was always a uh a friction point uh, or like it's an like impossibility, a impossibility. <laughs> yeah so after training models putting them into production to serve traffic in real time was really hard because all the inputs are very varied they're coming from different sources they might be in real time or in batch, and like unifying all of that processing to then make the inference, like the, having the model actually do the inference, like putting it as serving it in an application is super easy, but getting all the data that the model needs, like all of these other features is really hard. So mm -hmm. tried to create a business to tackle that. That led to Bywax, which is a Python stream processor. And the idea is 
um, to lower the barrier for companies to build uh, real-time pipelines that would facilitate real-time machine learning. Mm -hmm. That was the whole impetus behind starting Biobikes. And how many years are we talking about from the like, hack MBA to yeah. uh, founding of the company? Well, so I the, finished my MBA almost 10 years ago, or not my MBA, my master's in management almost 10 years ago. So it's been like a 10-year journey through uh, this speech technology company that I worked at Heroku and then at uh, GitHub. Um, and then after the acquisition from Microsoft of GitHub, I left uh, to start Biowax. So, and your founder, co-founder, also from the GitHub team, the same team. Dan, uh, who's the VP of Engineering and was like the first founding engineer, was uh, yeah, he's uh, also from GitHub. We started working. So, long story again. <laughs> okay. Uh, so after Microsoft acquired GitHub, there was a big push for us to move our cloud infrastructure to Azure, because mm -hmm. we were using AWS. Yeah, and so, AWS. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and the VP of data at the time uh, signed up the data team to kind of pioneer this. Okay. So all these networking hurdles we had to work through, trying to configure, trying to make things talk to each other. And we had stuff in like first party data center, and we had stuff in AWS, and we were trying to figure out how we could create this architecture so everything can talk to each other. And so Dan and I uh, bonded over all of this like shitty time <laughs> trying to move our services over to use, to run in Microsoft uh, Azure, but still be able to read data from AWS, read data from first party data centers, and it all be safe. So we were like, you know, uh, there was a lot of ups and downs to that okay. time. So that's, that's, and Dan used to do, used to work on a bunch of the data infrastructure at, at GitHub. So I did machine learning infrastructure and machine learning stuff at GitHub. He did uh, data infrastructure stuff. So they were actually managing our Flink um, uh, uh, installation that we had. And we used Flink essentially as an ingestion mechanism. Okay. Yeah, we, we can talk about that. Yeah. I guess uh, almost everyone, yeah. or every big company using Flink in yeah. some way. And, yeah. uh, and all I say, oh, maybe I don't have to use it so heavily, or maybe I can have an easy way. So I guess that's kind of explain why. It's that's how I'm here today. Yeah, now it's here. Yeah, you're here because of Flink. No. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you are serious about data streaming, you cannot avoid the topic about Flink. Yeah. Uh, it's just there. It's super nice, super sophisticated. And uh, for example, my my last uh, I spent several years in Splunk. Actually, many of our Co-founders and uh, founding engineer also coming from Splunk. It's, I guess, in IT domain, people should somehow use Splunk or heard yeah. of Splunk. <laughs> it's very nice. Better for worse. <laughs> They're probably using Splunk. Yeah, yeah. So the just there that is, uh, I'm doing uh, data for a long time, and uh, uh, by my last two years in Splunk, we are in this team called Data Streaming Processor. Essentially, it tried to redesign Splunk, or at least to have an extra component of Splunk so that it can understand what's going on right now without running data to the index yeah. and query over yeah. and over again. It's very expensive, right? Yeah. Some of the big clients of Splunk, yeah. they have maybe hundreds or thousands of nodes, uh, multiple pipeline data. If you want to understand whether you are being attacked or whether there are some IT outage, if you want to get that alert within one minute or even less, you might have to schedule a lot of queries. Yeah. It's very expensive. very expensive. So the idea that is, hey, maybe we should leverage some idea of data streaming, 
like uh, spam like uh, stuff like uh, Kafka, Pulsar, Kinesis, yeah. Flink, Istio, Kubernetes, all those stuff to see whether we can have a new solution and uh, somehow uh, give the customer lower kind of a low latency and without sacrificing the performance. Uh, that's the idea. And uh, it was a big team, and yeah. uh, we have some fun, and <laughs> uh, we have stuff like Scrum Scroll because it's such a big team, and uh, we have a delegate. I guess it's I was like twelve or twenty folks fo focusing on the Kubernetes alone because yeah. it's such a big monster, so many yeah. features. Twelve people working on Kubernetes. Yeah. Okay. And the many or folks work on the Flink side, and folks yeah. work on the Pulsar side. We we changed it from uh, Kinesis to Kafka, and eventually yeah. to Pulsar. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of story behind that, but anyway, um, it is a working solution, but we feel like, oh, can we build this in a more kind of integrated solution, in a kind of deliver feature faster, and uh, maybe uh, solve the problem in a different way. So yeah. that, that's kind of the reason why, step-by-step, uh, step, some of folks uh, in this project, they uh, either try something new or start on company or join other companies. And for us, uh, we, we love Flink to some degree, yeah. But we feel like we don't really think Flink is the only solution, right? I mean, to be honest, for anyone who watch this uh, podcast or whatever channel, yeah, we respect uh, the Flink community. Uh, but again, uh, sometimes it can be kind of overkill if you just want to move data from A to B or do some mm -hmm. simple transformation. Or even, or if uh, you just have a small number of workloads, you yeah, or, or you don't want to spend your best engineer on that yeah. topic, yeah. So uh, we took a different approach. Uh, so that's the reason why uh, we start a company called Templus, and uh, it's essentially a database. So we are using SQL as the primary interface, not Python. Uh, but we do have some interface for Python. So again, if if you are a Python developer, make kind of like data analysis to data. And uh, scientist role, maybe you can use Bivax. Uh, and if you more prefer using SQL, or more like uh, data engineer or path engineer, you can, you can uh, check the, the templates and uh, some other solutions. Uh, there's a lot of uh, options over there. And uh, just like coffee, as I mentioned, that is, it, it's perfectly OK. You drink different coffees different times. <laughs> and uh, some, sometimes you like uh, a fancy coffee. Sometimes you need a very strong espresso. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> if you have, like, the, you have the whole day to spend on making the coffee, yeah. You know, that's kind of like akin to using Flink sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might get the best coffee at the end of it, but you have spent the whole day. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, some, some folks are really sometimes enjoying you enjoy making coffee, some people <laughs> just uh, spend $1 for the McDonald's and get the coffee uh, boost up. Uh, yeah, again, uh, there's uh, many different ways, and uh, uh, all I really hope that is we can build uh, this uh, coffee community, have more people enjoy the yeah. streaming. It's not really so complicated, totally. or it can be so expensive. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people assume, you know, you need a huge amount of expertise and upskill to um, take on the, like, real-time realm mm -hmm. uh, because historically you have, right? And so we're all, I think everyone in the industry who's starting something new is trying to tackle it from that mm -hmm. that lens. Uh, it sounds like that's what you all are doing, too, is, like, how can you, how can you, like, empower those teams to go and use the data they already have available in a real-time manner so they can add more value. Yeah, yeah. That's like the end goal, right, we're all trying to do. Yeah, one topic of that is... Uh, but wait, before we go on, yeah, I want to hear more about... Uh, yeah, how much can you talk about the Splunk? I'm interested mm -hmm. uh, about the data stream processing in Splunk Park. Yeah. So did it happen before... So you have like 
if for those of us who haven't really used Splunk, Splunk a lot. So you have like the, the agents, mm -hmm. and then you have the kind of uh, collector stage, and then you have an indexer. Is that how it works? Yeah. Uh, basically, how, how Splunk works that is uh, actually that, I guess this year they're celebrating that 20 years of anniversary. Yeah. They have a conference called Conf because the, the config file is called .conf file, so the, yeah. the conference called .conf. Anyway, it's very interesting. So that's a lot of uh, hack and uh, kind of joy in this uh, community culture. So uh, anyway, I really like that culture. Uh, so back to how Spawn work in general, that is they have an agent, they call it forwarder. forwarder so yeah. it's, a, it's a special binary. And by the way, that is all, all the, most of the backend code is implemented using C++. Mm -hmm. And it's a huge repo, but you can compile it to a single binary, and you can assign different uh, role and uh, kind of config for configuration for that stuff. So yeah. essentially, it's the same piece of software, but depends on your topology, you can, hey, this is my forwarder, this is my index, yeah. this is my search head. OK, um, interesting. Yeah, so you, you have uh, your data coming from a forwarder, collect the local logs, mm -hmm. and the forwarder send the data forward to, to, to the cluster or yeah. single node they call indexer. <laughs> now you have a bunch of search pair, they can do distributed search if there are a lot of data sets, mm -hmm. and they have the UI side, they have some, if you have class, you might have a class manager, but all those stuff, essentially they are sharing the same binary, okay. just using different yeah. real configuration. And the idea was to have the, um, the streaming happen, or this like stream processing layer happen before the indexer, yeah, was that's that right. the idea? Yeah. So the centrally collected logs were, were hit this, DSP layer, mm -hmm. and then they would go to the indexer. Yeah, and also, the like back twenty years ago or fifteen years ago, there's a bunch of file in different file systems. There's a many different software. Hey, you want to collect a log from WinWare? You want to collect from uh, uh, other antivirus software? But like now, I guess five or ten years ago, we are slowly moving to this. Uh, distributed environment, mm -hmm. right? And there's a bunch of communities, there's yeah. a lot of uh, server-side log, there's a lot of uh, SaaS API. So I would say there's not as many local files uh -huh. as 20 years ago as Splunk. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, expectation, hey, my log is already somewhere like in S3 or in the Kafka topic, uh, not in a file system. How can I get those data in and get those alerts, no matter whether you want to query directly or you want to put in the index and the query again. So okay. as, a, as a user, no matter on the IT monitoring or security use cases, they they do enjoy this kind of, we call it single class of pen, that is you can put all the data into, into Splunk mm -hmm. and you get a very nice yeah. dashboard. But in the same time, they are expecting lower latency, not like one hour, not two, 10 minutes. They want like one minute. Yeah. And that yeah. is very hard to do if you put everything into the index having all those like revert index, those tokenization, and then you run a query every 20 seconds to query them again, then you yeah. end up with scanning the data all the time and don't really get a good result. Yeah, okay. Um, so where does uh, Cribble, mm -hmm. have you heard of the company Cribble? There's gotta be Splunk, yeah. ex-Splunk people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cribble. yeah. Cribble is one of the uh, uh, company uh, ex-Splunker created and yeah. uh, doing, uh, quite uh, interesting stuff. So it, from very beginning, it is to uh, give a value population to the 
Spunk user that is, hey, you don't have to send everything to Spunk. Yeah. Especially if you are talking about, hey, this is HTTP 200. Mm -hmm. Also, those are, those are healthy stuff. You yeah. don't really want those uh, low, low value stuff into Spunk and take over your entire, mm -hmm. entire kind of a quota because uh, in many ways, uh, Spunk charged by your index volume. Yeah. So that's, that's how they start. But eventually, they, they also add other data sources or data things. They do some search today. So, yeah. And do they, and they, do they offer a stream processing capability? Yeah, I think there's a Cribble streaming uh, product. Uh, it's, I, I, I don't use this uh, heavily enough, but my yeah. impression is still based on the IT logs. OK, yeah. Um, yeah, for example, like today, at least uh, for 10 plus hour, uh, customer base, some of them uh, really care about, uh, for example, uh, Bitcoin, World mm -hmm. of 3 data, yeah. or some other fintech. They are not necessary to be a logs. Uh -huh. right? They just want to understand hey, what's the trend. Yeah. Uh, for example, give you a very simple example that is, say, a bunch of uh, coin, they might be being mined or is finalized. Now you have a currency in different uh, uh, unit. Yeah. Right? You want to say, hey, my current portfolio, what is the market value in USD or in Euro? Okay. And you need to do a bunch of dynamic join. Yeah. And together with some state management. That's something not typical like log. Yeah. Or even yeah. database. Uh, yeah, I guess you don't really need state management for parsing logs mm -hmm. necessarily. But if you want to do something more advanced, yeah. you would need that. Yes. Um, cool. So coming from the, the Splunk uh, background, you, you mentioned uh, IoT and security. Mm -hmm. Are those the biggest segments that Splunk focus on? Yeah, they, they. I mean, Splunk they doing great on the sales. Yeah. Uh, the the foundation was so nice, like ten years ago, 12, 15 years ago, and they add a lot of uh, other stuff such as the uh, security manager. I mean, the enterprise security. Uh huh. Uh, that's also somehow inspired how we ship and build a feature in 10 plus. Okay. Because as I mentioned, that is many of us, no matter co-founders or yeah. any engineer coming from Splunk, uh, we really get inspired by the way Splunk itself is such a, a great tool. They have a very nice database engine kernel, query language, or the clustering, yeah. or the API. But what is amazing that is they have this SKU say this is enterprise security, this is mm -hmm. uh, IT monitoring, this is on-call management. Yeah. They even have some AI stuff today. <clears throat> the day you purchase it, you install it, you hook up all the API or the file, and boom, you get everything on your dashboard. Yeah. So you don't really have to write those uh, SP or the query That's language. Pretty, you yeah. have to build your dashboard alert. Everything is predefined. Yeah. It's already a product. So, like out of the box. Yeah, so that's also somehow we are trying to do that is we are we work very hard to build a very nice so-called stream database, but in the same time we're really focusing on certain industrial and uh, have verticals solutions for them. Solutions yeah, for verticals. Yeah. So that kind of my prodding question was like, if you saw a lot of IoT and a lot of cybersecurity, is that a focus for Time Plus or? You know, you then you mentioned I think crypto and something else. But what what is the main? Who do you see as the? Um, who are the people that are self-selecting mm -hmm. as? Hey, Time Plus is a great solution for us. Yeah. Um, again, we have to be 
cautious regarding what we want to be and what we can do right now with the limited resource and time and yes. people, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, in general, we we should be a general purpose solutions for different stuff, including Spong. Some people using Spong in a very tricky way, never expected, but still work very well. Uh, but with the limited uh, time resource, uh, we really want to focus on a few area. Right now, we're really focusing on the fintech. Okay, cool. As well as general data engineering side. Yeah, yeah. The IoT, the security is something we can do, but it's somehow covered by our uh, general platform use cases. Okay. So uh, yeah. many of our uh, POCs and uh, the the clients will talk actively. They really enjoy this uh, low latency of ten plus. Mm -hmm. For example, we are the few kind of few companies in the world that is we can do single digit millisecond such yeah. kind of latency. Yeah. Um, and also we uh, we can deploy on prem, not just cloud. This is also a big topic. Yeah. Uh, I somehow trained that is we should be cloud only. Yeah. But uh, because we are focusing on this uh, streaming real time stuff. I talk to many customers, they have strong concern. Hey, if I send it to your cloud, then call it again. It's already more than one second. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so no, the latency. purpose of a low latency. And yeah. also some fintech company, they are very sensitive to data. Regarding the data, they don't want to leave their data center. So uh, and also we we don't want to be vendor locked uh -huh. on AWS on HTTP. So what is, our stuff is more like cloud first. Yeah. It may sound tricky, but it's true that is we really want more customers using our cloud. Yeah. But if you really have a strong reason to deploy on-prem, yeah, that's the piece of software you can try. Yeah. Yeah. At some point, you'll have all the solutions. Yeah. Um, that's super interesting. Yeah, we uh, we actually ch uh, decided to do the um, to do an open source project for many reasons, but one of the reasons was that um, data privacy mm -hmm. and security purposes. It's a little, it's an, it's a little easier for um, it to be adopted and used internally and deployed wherever. Like that was kind of our, um, we wanted to create a stream processor that was like very lightweight and easy, easy to use. So you could really go far and deploy it anywhere if you wanted. And now we have people who have told us uh, recently that they're using it on like IoT devices on ships. Nice. So it's like when there's net, when there's no network. Mm -hmm. It's working in that fashion. When there is network, then it's a cloud cool. it's deployed in a, a, a Kubernetes cluster in their network, cool. which is it was really cool for them to <laughs> to tell us. We had this this guy like uh, he like we're like yeah you know what are you using? because one of the things about being an open source company is you don't actually know who's using your, yeah, your yeah. software. Oh, yeah, yeah. They can use Yeah, there's no there's no telemetry in the library. There's telemetry in some of the other tooling, but mm -hmm. so we're asking him like, oh, how are you using Bitewax today? Why did you select Bitewax? What are you doing with it? And he lifted up this like super industrial looking um, like little IoT device, and he's like, <laughs> oh yeah, it's running on this in chips. And we're like, okay, wow, that's so cool. It's like edge computing. Yeah, we like, we didn't really build it for that. <laughs> and the other day, someone opened up an issue, and they're like, can we get an ARM V8 build? And we're okay. like, what are you running this thing on? <laughs> on my microwave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So we're like, okay, whatever. But it's kind of cool. I guess that was a, one of the differentiating pieces for for us, which we like. We didn't really. It wasn't the it wasn't the reason we built okay. Bitewax because we kind of thought, what are you really doing on the edge mm -hmm. where you need this like kind of more significant stateful stream processor? Because mm -hmm. like, do you have many inputs? But I guess in this specific case, the, 
there's a lot of telemetry data coming in. And maybe the same could be for automotive, and we have seen some like heavy industry where actually on these things, like in the ships, in the cars, mm -hmm. there's actually like what would be the equivalent of a serious computer 10 years ago. Yeah. And it's collecting uh, the whole car, the whole vehicle is like instrumented. Nice. And it's collecting all kinds of crazy data. And then they're doing some joins, some, some automated decision making, some like uh, analysis, the KPI, stuff like that, right on the, the device. And I guess, I again, uh, this reminds me, uh, when I interview some of uh, user customer uh, or kind of a champion, some people will say, I hate Flink. Yeah. Uh, they mean, I mean, uh, again, Flink is super, super nice, super sophisticated, but it is still very hard to imagine for such a small device, you run a Flink cluster. <laughs> yeah, that's what he told us. He said, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't do it with Flink because it just didn't have the capability. So mm -hmm. that was kind of cool. But do you think that's kind of a, the PLG, or do you think like product-led growth is something possible for like as technical products? Yeah, extreme data streaming as us. So I've actually had this conversation a few times now, um, and I don't know if you're familiar with the term. It's called product-led sales. Okay. Yeah. So it's like a hybrid between enterprise sales and product-led growth. I actually stole this, or I'm regurgitating this from a, a podcast, uh, Lenny's podcast. But there was this, um, there was uh, one of the episodes that were detailing this idea of product-led sales, and I think it fits for us, ByteWax, and the whole open source to the platform and what we're trying to like deliver here. But the idea is product-led growth is like the same user is also the buyer. Mm -hmm. That's when product-led growth works really good because they can sign up, mm -hmm. they can use it for freemium, and they can put their credit card in, and you can scale the yep. as the usage grows or whatever, you can scale, and the, everybody's happy. But for product-led sales, you can have this freemium type product-led growth kind of experience where you have the, the user using it, the user scaling it, but at some point you need that sales handoff because the actual buyer is someone else. Mm -hmm. So if you think of traditional enterprise sales as like, hey, we find the buyer persona and we're going to sell to the buyer persona mm -hmm. and the engineers are going to use it. Then you think of product-led growth as, hey, we're going to find the user persona, we're going to sell to them. Some, something like a merge between those two. And so for ByteRax, it feels like a good fit because what our paid product is, is like a bunch of operational and surface area, like compliant surface area on top of the ByteRax project that uh, makes it easier to manage. And so the buyer persona, uh, which is like a director or manager mm -hmm. or CTO, they are looking for uh, or to spend money to take away the headache of that operational burden, that compliance burden, so their engineers can work on the stuff that matters. Mm -hmm. So it fits nicely for us, but this is still early days, so we'll see how it goes. But that's the that's the idea we're we're playing around with. Okay. Yeah. But I hadn't heard of this product. I was like. I can't even remember where I, I was driving somewhere. I think I was, I was driving back from Southern California, and I was driving up, uh, and I was. That's when I listen to podcasts because yeah. I don't have my kid in the car, or my wife, or anything, and I'm like, I have five hours to burn from LA to Santa Cruz. So I was listening to this podcast, and it really clicked for me because we're we're focused right now on like, what does the whole go to market motion look like? Okay, yeah. But it's really interesting. It's been super fun working on the really technical aspects of. A bite wax. Mm -hmm. How do you, you know, scale, rescale? Like, how do you manage state? All mm -hmm. these sort of things. Recovery, cloud backup, 
and now to like shift gears and think a little bit more about like the the business and how we create more value on top of those open source projects has been really really fun really cool yeah yeah that topic is i mean we we i mean i guess made of us in this kind of uh, stop kind of mode is really passionate regarding how impactful the the technology can shape or change our life and uh, yeah. we, we do want to make something innovative creative solving some problem and this should be a sustainable way and i guess last week <laughs> it was the discussion regarding the open source license change yeah <laughs> i think it's gonna keep happening yeah yeah and uh, we uh, we actually have a we had an off-site meeting last uh, week yeah uh, together with uh, many of our uh, only team and uh, co-founders uh, in, in Bay Area. So by the way, I, I work from Vancouver, our CTO from Vancouver. Oh, uh, cool. There are two more engineers in Vancouver. We have our UI designer in Toronto uh, and a few other folks in uh, in Bay Area or like our CEO in Sambara. Yeah. So we have a lot of Zoom meetings for sure, but uh, it's still very amazing that is we we book a huge house <laughs> at yeah. Airbnb, and we discuss a lot <laughs> as late as like 1 a.m. Yeah, that's <laughs> fun. Something right? you have to decide. Yeah, Come on, guys. that's fun though. You can only do that at this stage. Yeah, you know, like that won't happen. In, you know, once the company's like 50 or 100 people. Yeah, and, <laughs> and uh, in the middle of that uh, offsite, we saw the news, and there are also discussion regarding the one source. Yeah, by the yeah. way, uh, I, I will share more details next month when we do the announcement, but uh, it's, we're already planning open source for a while in Tampas, and it's going to be happening yeah. soon. With the whole, well, you, you can share more details <laughs> yeah. later, but the whole, what is it, the whole platform is going to be open source? Our core engine will be open source. Core engine, okay. Cool. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, in, in our end, we do want to get a lot of feedback from the community. Yeah. Uh, so today we do many kind of, uh, you can call it sales lab, but we don't really have full time sales today. It's yeah. It's a minute like co founder. Reach out to different folks to say, hey, maybe you can try time pass. Uh, uh, what's your problem? You have problem, we can help a little bit. Um, yeah, but again, uh, with the next step, we really wanted to reach out to more kind of potential users. And open source is one of the best ways, as you mentioned, that is uh, uh, some folks don't really want to use the cloud version, or they might have some. Either they have to want to move to the cloud, or they have even some policy, whatever, in their vendor list, how to yeah. open source, yeah. so that they can deploy on-prem, they can have a sense of kind of a security to some degree, that is, even the company do, do very well, they have the capability to, to apply effects or maintain by themselves. Yeah. So there's many ways people put uh, open source as one of the checklists. Um, yeah, in the, in the meanwhile, we do want to make sure we as a company can be uh, can grow in, in a sensible way. Mm -hmm. That is, with enough uh, kind of uh, budget and uh, kind of other partnership, we can push the project in the next step without worrying too much about that. Is everyone can can host our service. Uh, we're not talking about AWS, but it will be a heavy problem to solve. But uh, yeah, cool. don't worry too much about that. Well, that'll be awesome. Yeah, there's been a lot uh, around open source licensing. Uh, in like last week was HashiCorp, right? Uh, mm -hmm. They switched to BSL. Um, and there's this, I feel like there's like this, uh, core, like hardcore open source, mm -hmm. uh, idea or these ideals around free and open source software, um, free as in beer 
and you know like that like ideal ideologies that come from like the early days of open source um but it's hard because it's still i think that if we stagnate the um the evolution of open source licensure uh we stagnate the industry because it has to evolve with the way that people interact purchase mm -hmm. and ultimately um commercially apply software yep. and so i think that's i think actually the bsl for those who don't know uh probably should <laughs> look it up and not listen to me but business source yeah, license. Link below. <laughs> yeah take the link. uh the business source license which is like uh it can take many different terms or, or forms and some people create their own versions of this but what it essentially means is like you can use the software for free but if you use it in some commercial way that they deem they don't want you to use it in that commercial way you have to pay so the idea behind the business source license was initially to stop the clouds from eating others' lunch, so like Elastic or Mongo or CouchDB or whatever. There was all these different iterations of this mm -hmm. where they wanted to stop AWS, who is really good at operationalizing software. Um, they wanted to stop them from giving an offering that was equal or better with lower barrier of entry than their own. Yeah, sometimes I hear this multiple times from different sources. They are basically saying the same thing that is some very successful tech company, their biggest enemy is that themselves, the open source version. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, they have a hard time to convince those users to use either their enterprise version or cloud version. Uh, they don't really have a strong kind of uh, kind of uh, solution to persuade them to purchase. Yeah. And, uh, and and always like the company don't have enough resource to push to the next step, which they should do. Yeah. And I think we we have a limited number of business models that are proven. Um, and how proven they are is still like debatable, mm -hmm. you know, because there's like host the thing or there's the open core, um, which was HashiCorp, which everyone touted as a success, but now they just switched their licensing, so who <laughs> really knows? Um, you know, like Red Hat cha championed the whole support model, and then there's the hosted one where you build something that's usable, but you make it so easy to use your hosted version and add maybe product surface area. But yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's really we have we have a conversation often with Bitewax because you and you're going open source and now you'll have this same <laughs> conversation repeatedly as like you want people to achieve the uh, success with the open source yeah. quickly and efficiently um, and in a way such that they're so happy with the product that they want to evangelize it. Mm -hmm. And they're like, they've solved their job to be done. And they're like, hey, everyone, you can solve this job to be done with this amazing open source software. But at the same time, you need these hooks. Mm -hmm. You know, you need these hooks in the open source where you're like, this is great. I've now turned from persona A, who was like, I'm solving my one job to be done, to persona B, which is whatever you might decide. Mm -hmm. And now I want to pay for the software because it has these other features or it's hosted and I don't want the burden of hosting. And I think it's really... I don't know. I think it's very difficult to really draw the line correctly, especially the first time, okay. where you have this, what you put in the open source and what you don't. Because on one hand, the open source community could hate you. <laughs> uh, and on the other hand, you might not be able to sell anything in your business is, you know, is, is dependent on you selling some software at some point to be commercially viable. And so if you don't make money, the open source doesn't matter because it's going to eventually, unless someone else maintains it, it's not going to be uh, kept up to date. So, yeah, it's, it's a super complicated problem.
Yeah, and uh, <laughs> it shouldn't be, but it is. Yeah, we are going to have such a discussion. I'm not, I don't know whether we'll discuss it every month, but uh, it'll, <laughs> yeah. be, it'll be fun. Uh, one more problem to solve. Like, yeah. Thank you. And uh, yeah, you're right. That is sometimes your user of your process may not be your ideal customer. Yeah. And, and then not buyer sometimes. So, so we also want to make the move that is we don't really want to just build everything with our assumptions. The user feedback is important, but depends on different stage. Some kind of they don't really badly need the user feedback. They yeah. want to get the handle cash flow and the different ways to to move the business to the next level, and uh, they might have different problems to solve. You know, as as like engineers building uh, products for ourselves, you want to make it so delightful. Yeah. You know, you want the experience to be so good, but <laughs> if it's so so good, then no one's gonna pay you. Yes. <laughs> Unless you like maybe put a, a Patreon or Patreon, I guess. Uh, up and people will sponsor your project, but I don't think that's a sustainable business model. Yeah, and literally, that I saw some kind of hey, uh, I don't ask anything. If you think I'm cool, buy me a coffee. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's great and all. You know, stars don't you know put, put meals on the table. <laughs> Get up stars and put meals on the table. But okay. they are helpful. Yeah, yeah. So talking coffee, I guess we are. Yeah, I guess in the middle of this uh, podcast. Yeah. Uh, we will make uh, spend maybe one or two minutes to make our own coffee yeah. uh, as kind of break. And uh, uh, we can also talk about other topics. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so let me see. This. Where do we heat the water up? Uh, the water is, should be still all right. Is that uh, too cold? It's probably pretty cold. It's, uh, yeah. And, uh, is it still hot? It should be all right. And uh, can we... Do you mind holding this? Yeah, I can. So, so it'll be fun. It's still recording, so uh, I will add this later. So let let's uh, make some coffee as in this uh, coffee talk, and uh, we will try to see whether we can do something similar or even more crazy in the next month. The, the yeah. current talk. Definitely. Yeah. I'll be at current too. So I think we have, we have a startup booth. Do you guys have a startup? Yes. Booth? Yes. Cool. We'll be in the same row, so we get to hang out. Yeah, and uh, actually, I I joined the data console. Uh, back in Austin the other day, and uh, one of the booths, yeah. I forgot the name, sorry about that, but uh, they bring a very nice coffee uh, machine. That's the one coffee I, was, machine. I was talking about, decent, uh, yeah, decent. From Seattle, I mean, that's gonna be the other no, one. Or the, uh, the, the machine is called a decent uh, espresso machine. Yeah, can you move the camera closer and uh, like give a, a special shot for this one? <laughs> oh, I think we need hotter water, man. Yeah, okay. <laughs> We're doing cold brew. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let, me, let me ask the owner to see whether we can get more waters. We are doing the best we can here. We're going to make yeah. some coffee. And uh, the, I'm not really using the bean from Blue Bottle. I, oh, OK. I will say I liked uh, Blue Bottle for a while, but not too much right now. <laughs> uh, it's acquired by, and uh, I, have a, I have a local. This is not sponsored by this company, but uh, <laughs> The tour is one of my favorite co coffee beans in Toronto, I guess. Uh, this one have the lemon tea, green apple mm. kind of flavor. Yeah. Uh, beans, yeah. Where are the yeah? Where are the beans from? The Wanda. The Wanda. There yeah. we go. So cool. yeah, let's uh, have some have some fun for the coffee. And uh, I so we'll have to do this one more time too. Mm -hmm. So there's a conference that we're a part of called uh, Scale by the Bay. 
Okay. Yeah, so yeah. You're, you're, it's in Oakland in November, and you'll have to come down for that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's one of the. That's why I think uh, my previous team, some of my members were. They, oh yeah, I have to check out. I have to join that uh, conference. It's yeah. so nice, and it's not really for a particular vendor. It's, uh, I guess, talk, people talking about best practice. Yeah, the the focus is on data and AI, so there will be. I think some pretty interesting conversations. Yeah, and uh, also bring some elements of Canada. Canada. Right, so this is the <laughs> Have you ever been on a maple syrup, uh, <laughs> um, a, a forest where they tap the trees and get maple syrup from? Have you ever been there? No, not yet. Yeah. I, I'm, so the I'm next, next time you're in uh, Quebec, okay. you should go check it out. They're uh, called Sugar Shacks. Okay. So, you, um, so they tap the trees. And in between the winter and the spring, or in well, in the spring, late winter, early spring, when the temperature goes above freezing and below freezing, mm -hmm. um, the trees start to like uh, generate the sap, okay. and the sap comes out. So you put these like a spike in the tree, and they drain it all out, and then they boil it down, and that's how they make. Okay. Uh, do you mind using it's that? Another, uh, it's, that, a that, that it's another stream processing event because they're processing a stream of uh, sap. Uh, oh, which one? Oh, we can use a new one. Oh, it's up to you. Uh, Let's get the pour going on here. <laughs> this one? Yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, looks good to me. Yeah. It's not that fancy, but it's, uh, <laughs> let me do the walk. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> not bad. Yeah. I, I, I personally like uh, coffee bean which is uh, a little bit sour and fresh. Is that, what, so what kind of coffee beans give you more, more uh, of that sourness? Like an Arabica or like a Robusta or? I don't know, that, that, that's so, so many different beans. And uh, yeah, we can, we can invite uh, other folks who are watching this uh, or listening to this podcast if you really know something about the bean and the data. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, so Dan, uh, um, on the BioRack team, he is a he's a coffee aficionado for sure. Wow! And uh, the company you were mentioning about um, from uh, Data Council, yeah. I think it's called Performance Dynamics. I think so. Yes, sounds um, right. I think that's it. So they they have this decent espresso machine. It's uh -huh. fully programmatic, mm -hmm. so you can. They have a curve. Yeah, yeah. they have a curve to match different espresso machines. Yeah, yeah. And Dan has that one. So okay, wow. Like, He's into it. He's he knows, and he has a special uh, like artisan um, grinder and everything. So he really knows his coffee stuff much more than I do. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean you don't have to be that kind of expert. And yeah, as long as you appreciate, it. enjoy it. Yeah, we have. <laughs> if you're ever in Santa Cruz, uh, or next time you're in the, sure. in the Bay, you should come to Santa Cruz. Yeah, and we can uh, uh, make some more coffee. There's two good uh, roasteries down there. Um, uh, there's uh, Verve, and which is kind of not as good as Cat and Cloud, in my opinion, and then mm -hmm. Cat and Cloud. Back in the day, Cat and Cloud had that the like roaster right in the the coffee shop, and it was at the end of our street that we Very lived cool. on at the time. It's it's really really good coffee. Yeah. We we like it at least, and you can order it up here too if you wanted to. Yeah, nice. And uh, the other thing I really admire, like San Cruz, is the mountain bike. Okay, that's yeah. also somewhat bringing up here. <laughs> yeah, actually, I don't know if it shows on the thing, but I, I heard, heard my thumb downhill mountain biking in Whistler. But I was. Uh, uh, so I came up to, my family all lives here, but we uh, planned this trip because I 
before the pandemic, before I had a daughter, and before I had started a startup, <laughs> I signed up for this bike race, and it's uh, seven days and one day is kind of short, but so it's like a six-day bike race in the mount in different areas, but like mountain biking on Vancouver Island, mm-hmm. um, and you go like forty-ish kilometers per day, and like you climb up uh, three thousand or thirty-five, or sorry. 1,000 to 1,500 meters per day. Okay. And uh, so that was the real reason we came up here. Was Is to, that to book mountain biking. a few years ago or postponed? So I, I booked it in 2019 okay. and it was postponed. Okay. Oh, okay. And then, now I have a daughter and, and a startup. So my I like the, at the <laughs> time, I had so much time to train for this thing. Yeah. And now, fast forward three years <laughs> later, and I had no time to train. So when I got there, I was like woefully underprepared in far as far as fitness so i it, it went well i had a lot of fun but yeah. i wasn't breaking any records <laughs> myself that's for sure but yeah santa cruz is great mountain biking so does vancouver all the mountains behind us here there's mountain bike trails all up and down those mountains in fact in fact uh, over behind us mount seymour there mm-hmm. uh where i grew up at the bottom of is one of the like birthplaces of free ride mountain biking. Okay. There was these, uh, like in the 1900, or sorry, 1990s, uh, or ni- late 1980s, 1990s, these guys would build these ladder bridges, they're called. And so they're like up in the air, like 10, 15, 20 feet up in the trees. Mm-hmm. They're, and they're like uh, skinnies or ladder bridges, what they call them. So they could be like this wide, okay. or like two feet wide. <laughs> and you ride along them and at the end they drop off. Okay. And this was where all these crazy guys... Uh, okay. I'm wondering like, whether NABC will... I know you are not supposed to do this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, Before, like, someone, someone sent me on the team, one sent me this chart that was, like, the most dangerous things you can do. And it was, like, skydiving or, like... Uh, uh, Surfing, flying thing is, and then downhill mountain biking. Okay, yeah. Because when you fall, you're like, you're going to injure yourself. <laughs> Yeah, they, I try to scale it back from what I used to do. Um, surfing is less, much less dangerous. But like those are those are like hundred feet or whatever. Yeah, which work can be I mean, if you're, if you're doing that, <laughs> if you're doing that, <laughs> that helps. Yeah, you're not starting a startup. If you're doing that, like going to uh, uh, down in in California with Mavericks, that's the big wave people. Surf. Okay, yeah. But yeah, in Santa Cruz, there's more chill. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, what do you think of the overall life experience being a co-founder for a super technical product? Um, I mean, it's it's uh, it's a roller coaster. It is the it is the only job where you can learn as much as mm-hmm. as as possible. Like yep. you know, it's like really. As you've probably experienced, it's like really drinking from the fire hose, um, but yeah, it's it's challenging. It comes with its challenges and its ups and downs. I think it's equal parts like uh, tough and exhilarating at the same time. That's my experience. What about yours? Yeah, uh, same thing. That is, I guess it will. To some degree, okay, I would say yeah. If things don't work out, we don't talk about that. But uh, that seemed to be a backup plan. But the truth that is, it's very difficult, yeah. even impossible to go back. Yeah. Yes. And you, you, in this situation, that is, you make a lot of tough calls. You exposed to many different folks. Uh, I'm not saying you control your destiny, but you very hard. You work hard. Uh, yeah. Also with the, your team, 
it's very hard to go back to the position that you solve only a small piece of the yeah. puzzle. Right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, I've always been a little bit of a generalist myself, so it kind of plays well for me. Because yeah. you get to, you know, one day you're fundraising, or not, one week or whatever months you're fundraising, but so one day you're like focused really hard on fundraising and how you um, explain the business uh, to people who maybe don't know the technology, and then the next day you're like, Troubleshooting something in the code. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah. Like yeah I, I actually have a, a, a kind of a vivid example that is, I on the same day, it was like, at the seven a.m. I had a very tough call with a user. That person is very angry about certain stuff. Yeah. Uh, things are not really work as he expected. So, uh, so it was, even before that, I was not sure whether he will join the meeting because it was at different time zone. So I didn't sleep well in that yeah. midnight. I yeah. wake up maybe t 2 a.m., 4 a.m., making sure he don't decline the meeting. And the four and the, at the 7 a.m., that person joined the meeting and uh, say, oh, this is not supposed to be work. You have to fix it. So it was a bad call. Um, kind of not a really bad call. It's a lot of data points. And uh, hard call. Uh, the hard call. And I really appreciate those data points. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's more really, really good uh, warning regarding certain stuff. Yeah. Uh, then I have to change my mode because at 9 a.m. I, I, I had a, a kind of a, a interview with someone else in also in Europe, and uh, I talk about my experience in Vancouver. Yeah, it's just to be super positive stuff. Yes, <laughs> and uh, so I have to and uh, and uh, right after that call, I have a meeting with my co-founders yeah. about that. Uh, go back to the previous 7 a.m. <laughs> stuff. So let's go back to see what we should be doing, yeah. what action we should be take. Oh. So it's more like in the in the war room again. More. Then, uh, in the late afternoon, like uh, four or five p.m., I was super busy. Someone pinged me that, "Hey, are you going to join this uh, webinar or not?" Because I signed up for the other webinar. It's called the Distributed Computing Meetup. So I signed up, but I'm not sure whether I should join. But now that someone asked me, I should join. Yeah. I join and listen to some folks. I get some relaxed. And suddenly, someone mentioned, "Hey, Tampa is so great." And uh, it is next gen stuff. You really should try this. So it's a totally a surprise. Yeah. So you can see on that day, uh, from super upset <laughs> to be more positive, then go back. Then it's just a roller yeah. Yeah, it's a so roller crazy. coaster. Yeah, it really is a roller coaster. The highs yeah. are high and the lows are, can be low. I think yeah. overall, if you like, the like you're so and you're so in it, and it's like constant. You know, you're working all the time. Whether or not you're actually sitting at your computer, you're always thinking about it. Like the open source licensing, for yeah, example. Yeah. You know, like. Uh, yeah, sometimes my daughter just says, hey, Dad, what are you thinking of? <laughs> yeah, so you're, yeah, you're freezing for a while. <laughs> yeah, so you're always thinking, and it can detract from other parts of your life. So it's it's really difficult sometimes to cut a line between, uh, or to cut a box around all the things that matter so you can give them the right time to the things that deserve it. Uh -huh. But overall, if you were to zoom out, I think that the experience is pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, if you like for me one of the things i enjoy the most is like learning new things um mm -hmm. or like figuring out ways to master stuff and like apply myself until i feel like i've mastered something and it's endless so yeah. i can try <laughs> so hard for so long to become a master in this because there's just so much to learn mm -hmm. uh and so much to tackle so my intellectual self uh enjoys that don't doesn't always uh doesn't always translate into immediate joy all the time. <laughs> yeah, and also like if we take this uh, coffee as the kind of metaphor, something related that is, 
say we are co-founder for a coffee shop, uh, and uh, we are very passionate for this thing, and uh, we have our own recipe, our kind of uh, coffee shop style, and we recruit more folks, we attract more customers, even loyal ones, and we are going to hire more folks. Yeah. And some of the people can really make much better coffee than I do. Yeah. And that's perfectly okay. Yeah. Right? As a co-founder, you don't have to be the best for every single thing. You either grow up with yourself, you hire someone better than yourself. It's a team, but you have something bigger. You have the vision, you have the resource. Uh, say you are a owner or co-founder for a coffee shop like five years ago. Now you are talking about whether I should have a chain of coffee shop or have a special brand. I should, whether I should sell t-shirts. You have a much bigger problem to solve. Yeah. In the meanwhile, if you can pick up the playlist, if you can make a good coffee, great. But uh, you don't have to. You don't have to be so good for every single things. And it's really a teamwork. Yeah. And also question yourself, what's the best way for you to contribute the value to the team? If you are not really in that driving seat, you are not really handle every single single details. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's totally true. Like, I mean, you have to probably do most things at least once or halfway uh, yourself before you can accurately find identify the right person to do it better than you. But yeah. <laughs> I think that's mostly the job of a founder, a startup founder, is uh, find the people who can do the job you're doing better than you. Yeah. Um, I mean, amongst other things, but definitely in the human resources side of things, that's the job, really. Yeah, I remember that is. Uh... In some other company that I work for, that's even a person, the only job for that person is to review how the logo is used in other yeah. media. Yeah. That's the solo. Just a nice kit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah, that's like, it's such a good tell of like where businesses come from and go to. Okay. You know, imagine us sitting here, the team teams we have, whatever, under 10 people or, or approximately 10 people, yeah. thinking about that someday the company we are working to build might have someone whose only role is to make sure the logo is used appropriately. Mm -hmm. It's kind of mind-boggling, <laughs> right? You know, it's a tell. I mean, I don't know if it's good or bad either, but it's like a. At some point, you just uh, yeah. I think it's probably bad. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's uh, a necessity, I guess, at some point maybe. But it's just so crazy to think that's what might become where all we think about today is such, like. Uh, important, or not to say that that's not important to belittle anyone's job, but such important, like core to the business decisions and tasks. Mm -hmm. It's it, yeah. It is it incredible to like stretch out to think where what you said is true. Like that, there's one person who really just makes sure the logo <laughs> used in the right way. Yeah, that's a long way. <laughs> yeah, uh, that. Again, there's a lot of series where people have been doing this in very different ways, and uh, there's some series that is you should be set uh, always like a moon shooter. You always set a super high goal, and you work yeah. very hard. Don't make any compromise. Everything should be perfect. There's also other stuff like something should be good enough. Don't spend too much time on those annoying important stuff. Yeah, and there's always kind of uh, the spectrum is so wide. Everyone can do pick up something comfortable. If you're talking about Steve Jobs, if you're talking about Elon Musk, they do something yeah. very crazy, but you are not Steve Jobs. <laughs> no, not Steve Jobs. <laughs> yeah, there's the perfectionist, but I think that's, it. like, everything has a, there's always a trade-off, right? Mm -hmm. You know, efficiency, speed, perfection, there's always a trade-off. 
I think it's like what you said. You understand your um, skills. If you can, you should understand your skills better than anyone else, so that you can best offload the things that you're not the best at. Mm-hmm. Kind of, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's a running hypothesis. Cool. Uh, if we talk about other topics, I will say maybe we can talk a little bit about uh, the last streaming, right? I mean, maybe prepare for our next episode. Uh, yeah, we talked a little bit about like this. Our goal, no matter Tempas or Bavax, is really to see whether we can make these things easier, not so complicated, uh, less uh, expensive. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of other kind of assumptions or stuff people thinking that is, hey, it is the future for sure, but whether it's a big thing for the next, uh, say, two, four years. Yeah. Uh, for example, like, there's so many. So many uh, OLAP systems, uh, so many different uh, computing framework. Uh, people also so passionate about AI mm-hmm. or real-time training. Uh, for example, if I observe this uh, warehouse or data lake space, there's so many different things. Yeah. And the big companies such as uh, Snowflake and uh, Databricks, they're they're offering super advanced uh, stuff like English SDK, or yeah. uh, they have uh, Iceberg uh, partner with AWS. Uh, so I guess naturally some people will ask, like, can I solve my batch problem first? Mm. <laughs> it's typical with that is, is batch good enough? Yeah, yeah, batch is good enough. Yeah, that's why I did that talk of mine at Data Council. Yeah, I think, um, well, like, so oftentimes, uh, people will try to explain how all you need is batch and I think that really the question is not like it, batch versus streaming is like when do you need each tool mm-hmm. you know like batch is perfectly acceptable for a suite of um, workloads where your data doesn't move that fast or you're just at answering questions where the ultimate value, because everything's about creating value out of the data, mm-hmm. and the ultimate value doesn't change as the uh, the time at which you take the data, the freshness or the latency at which you can uh, turn the data into an insight for, or, or, or into a reaction or, or something happening, that as if the value doesn't increase as the time goes closer and closer to single digit milliseconds on time plus, mm-hmm. uh, there's no reason to move to real time. So business analytics uh, or business intelligence. <clears throat> if you're ordering new inventory, you don't need to know that in real time necessarily unless there's a proven increase in the value add to the business if you can forecast on a second time scale for whatever reason, right? And that's probably why, well, this is why for us there's a lot of IoT use cases or financial services or cybersecurity and because in one way, shape, or form, you're either saving the business money or you're creating um, or you're making money as you move closer to zero. Time, uh, um, financial services, and in particular, uh, high-frequency trading or quantitative trading strategies is a really interesting use case to like explain the move, the value uh, increasing exponentially as you get closer to zero because that's exactly what they're doing when you're trying to do some sort of time-based trading strategy, like in high-frequency trading, 
the, you're competing for dollars as you get closer to zero. Mm -hmm. And so the closer you are to zero, the more you're going to get of the overall pie of whatever that arbitrage might be. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. That's that's the that's the that's the gist of it for me. Is like don't use streaming unless you need it. And the re the reason you need it is if that value curve looks like that. It looks like a or at least close to an exponential. But as you get to what's perceived as real time, you're really increasing that value. You're detecting fraud. You're detecting abuse patterns on a platform. Um, you're you're doing some sort of high frequency trading or you're making operational decisions in real time to like match drivers and riders or these sort of things like I actually think there's a big and I'll be curious to get your opinion on this there's a big opportunity in this operational space mm -hmm. you know as more and more inputs of the business are available in real time <clears throat> what are all these operational use cases that are going to evolve mm -hmm. and and yeah, well, yeah, I'd be curious just what you think about that. Yeah, and because uh, that's where we focus a lot mm -hmm. is like enabling those operational use cases. When I say operational, I mean like it's uh, fraud. Just the human is out of the loop. It's basically like the machines are are kind of operating some part of the business. Mm -hmm. The the best one is like the. Uh, the Uber sort of problem. So you're matching the driver and the mm -hmm. rider. Yeah, yeah. And so the, the machine, the brain, or whatever they called it, does that. Yeah. I guess the, the uh, I, I should join more tech conference. Uh, I joined some, but not enough. And I guess the last one, besides the console we met in Austin, the other one I joined was end of uh, March for the Star Tree uh, real-time analysis uh, summit. Yeah. And that was a very nice talk. Uh, one of the slides which uh, kind of got a lot of uh, uh, claps and that is people don't make uh, real-time decision uh, within 20 seconds. Yeah. So it is true that and that's also emphasized a lot regarding uh, the value of data streaming or streaming database. It's not really for human to watch the dashboard or yeah. uh, all the stuff all the time. Right? It might happen for those uh, trading. I mean, they have multiple screens. Uh, Sorry about that, but uh, for many other folks, they, they just uh, don't want to keep staring at the dash dashboard. It's not really, it's not really that, useful. That <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so we really like the idea about operational uh, use cases. Even like back in Splunk, uh, it is not really a BI system. It's more like oper operational intelligence uh -huh. system. So uh, we like that idea a lot. Uh, so when we build a time plus, we, we, we build some chart or dashboard, some folks ask this question, hey Joe, uh, I really like your dashboard, uh, can I use this as a reporting tool? No, this is designed to be a data exploration tool just to help you to see whether uh, your assumption is correct, matching the data pattern, you can easily build a land chart with, a, with some trend line, uh, but it's not really meant to be a, a dashboard or kind of a AI or new AI, uh, new BI stuff. Uh, so in the end, it's really about uh, either moving data from A to B or trigger other system yeah. using webhook, using API. Mm -hmm. For example, in our case, uh, we have some use cases to see, for example, for the IoT use cases, whether a certain driver is driving too crazy. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I saw, uh, uh, yeah, no, somehow, it, was, it was doing uh, that. It was doing that. <laughs> Okay. Really, I don't know what it's doing. Yeah, it's maybe coming from the the, 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 the 
it's, it's too smart. Anyway, uh, some of the drivers are some in our use cases that detecting whether the driver driving this too crazy, whether it's too too fast because the you know all the all the truck they are so heavy, it's very difficult for them to to break mm -hmm. in a meaningful way. So they have very restricted speed limits. Yeah. And also whether the driver drive too long without sleep, and you have to figure out whether it's a, a real rest or fake rest. For example, if you are waiting for the traffic light, it's not a rest. Yeah. Right. So you have to wait for more than say, for example, four minutes. Then you have stuff like session windows. I mean, it, those are advanced stuff, but uh, yeah. real to business, that is, the world is, is complicated enough. You have to apply certain strategy to figure out something you really want to understand and uh, trigger those stuff. Yeah. No matter giving a call to the driver or send a red flag to the trader, hey, someone is doing very suspicious trading, do check out. Um, so we don't really expect our stuff can be uh, monitored uh, at the real time by a human being. There will be more kind of machine to machine talk. And also, there's a lot of discussion, I think, these days with the ChatGP, those AI. It would mm -hmm. be really great if the AI or the machine can capture the signal, but it is the human being to make the call. Yeah. Right, whether this person should be fine, <laughs> sorry about that, or, or whether we should uh, make this purchase. There's a lot of data points coming from everywhere. AI is the, or the machine is the right tool to capture those stuff, mm -hmm. categorize it. But in the end, you cannot blame the AI. It should be the person take the responsibility to make the final call and, uh, and, and then take the, the consequences. Well, the liability engineer. Yeah. yeah, and they also override it. So they're all going to be like yeah, you, 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 your data points looks right, but uh, for whatever reason, I think this is not the right thing to do, and here's why. Yeah. So it's it does a balance, right? So um, and also for Tempest, we also make uh, this uh, decision that is, uh, we are more than a streaming processor, so we have our own kind of OLAP or data kind of batch in our element. So we try to provide a platform for you to hey, if you really want to understand what's going on, you can do it. But if you want to apply certain batch processing, OLAP processing, you can also do it using us. Yeah. Or in SQL. In SQL, yes. Cool. But, so this is, for example, we are more like, uh, focus is on the streaming side, and we cover a little bit about the OLAP. Yeah. And other companies such as, say, Snowflake, they come in from the OLAP or the edge side, and they will add some streaming side. So yeah. e eventually, we all want to provide a good solution for users. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't just uh, want to build something crazy or innovative just uh, for own purpose. We want to solve the real problem. And uh, the difference that is, we come in from streaming and uh, touch the, the batch side, and some company starting from batch and uh, starting using more uh, streaming in the, in the middle. Yeah. Um, the, so I get this question uh, a number of times, um, and I'd be curious what you think, because you've been working in this space now for quite a while. Um, is So streaming has been touted the next big thing for quite a while, since like, you know, I hope big data <laughs> and streaming. Yeah, so w what are your thoughts? Mm -hmm. Why now? So why not, why hasn't it, um, why is now the time when streaming will go kind of stream processing or, uh, data streaming will go mainstream now and hasn't in the last decade? Um, yeah, even which keyword is the, if we only choose one keyword, uh, say streaming or real time, Yeah. among these two, uh, it is very tricky, right? So uh, 
we have in most cases we don't want to put us in this situation we only have to choose choose one but uh, I will say overall it is the time for real time uh, this is more like my personal opinion uh, that's not there's a lot of debate uh, in the community but to some degree that is the real time is the is the goal for most of the end user they mm -hmm. want to see what kind of signal in the real time, what kind of decision you can make in the real time. Streaming, in many cases, it's more like the mechanism. Yeah, the technology. You, yeah, you want to using the streaming technology, do this incremental stuff like we do in, in our component. You don't have to risk everything in the past. Then you can achieve lower latency yeah. without wasting so much effort. And we keep certain state. Mm -hmm. Even you can have a crazy stuff like CDC or, or join that can be the other topic. but. In many ways, streaming is the mechanism to achieve the real-time. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes real-time is just uh, one benefit of streaming. Uh, you, as I mentioned, uh, you can have a rich context. Uh, you save the, save the workload. It, it's more than just about the low latency. But it uh, depends on who you talk to, right? So if yeah. you talk to a business owner, IT manager, CTO, what they really want is the real time, not really streaming. Yeah, uh, they don't really yeah. care too much about whether how, how you implemented it. Do you have a fast OLAP or every every TV. second, or yeah. you have a streaming like playing or time plus or backwards? They don't really care so much about that. Uh, but overall, people really have much higher expectation. The bar is high for how real time it should be, like all those. Uber, Dodash, everything happening right now. Right? So yeah, people yeah. complaining why it's not real, real time, you know. Yeah. Uh, and also with the rise of like uh, Kafka, Pulsar, all the Kinesis, all the stuff, we don't really spend so much time as before to capture the data from everywhere. Right? So yeah. For example, as I mentioned earlier, Splunk twenty years ago, there are so many different file systems, network protocols. They have to spend many time on the forward itself. I remember we have maintained a long list, maybe. 12 different uh, OS to support or fast system to support for yeah. forwarder. Yeah. It's a crazy, but now yeah. you're mainly talking about getting data from APIs. Kafka or, or SaaS API, you have less problems to solve on yeah. the data consolidating side. But yeah. once data is in Kafka, I will say many people don't really get enough value from the Kafka data. They can get more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, because they feel, oh, this is there, I don't really have the right tool system to capture that or I don't know what to capture then they just uh, consult it first mm -hmm. and more about the later but it's I'm not saying waste of time money but uh, you should get more by leveraging some of the solution in the, in the, yeah. in the community yeah. um, I, I so I have a question I've wanted to ask you because you're uh, tackling the SQL on streams space um, what should people think about when they're differentiating between a streaming database and a uh, Stream processor that uses SQL as the interface. Mm -hmm. now, what, what are the what are the differentiators that people should think about, and how should they make the decision on what to use? Yeah, just like uh, I keep saying, coffee in this yeah. talk. I guess there's no hey, you should drink a latte, you should drink espresso. There's no such rule, right? And uh, sometimes you do need a strong espresso to <laughs> to work on some hard problems. But sometimes you just want to chat with some friend. Having a decaf latte will be. The best thing. Yeah. Uh, and also for for a team, it's okay you use both. Yeah. Right? So certain. For example, I I, I, I know because I'm coming from uh, China for my past uh, life. <laughs> I spent at least five years in Spong. There's a lot of company big company in 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 China. 
using Flink in a crazy way. Yeah. They're talking about at least a hundred different nodes for Flink, sometimes yeah. a thousand. Wow. So what they really care about the scalability, and also they want to isolate. Hey, only this engineer, this team can use this cluster. Mm. It should not impact other folks. Yeah. Uh, Which is hard to do with a Flink <laughs> cluster, right? <laughs> yeah, they always create a mini cluster. Yeah, you have a mini cluster in each node or each pod in your Kubernetes cluster, yeah. and you isolate your nodes. They even have some. And the best part is that is uh, one job. Yeah, only using one, one cluster. cluster. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> You're like, why do I even have a cluster? That's the best way to avoid uh, not any. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of effort. And each one's on a own VM. You're like, wait, one second. <laughs> why are you using a cluster? Yeah, so some some team have good reason to use their uh, choose a very compact system. The complexity have a good reason. Even sometimes it's not so necessary, but. Uh, Back to your question regarding, the, yeah, you have different uh, favorite coffee. You can have uh, streaming processor speak in SQL. Yeah. I, I will list some of them in my talk. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it, it is a good uh, uh, kind of abstraction uh, for you to uh, using the SQL as the common language. Don't worry too much about the primary API uh, uh, or, or kind of other uh, rest or stuff. And mm -hmm. uh, if you're using SQL for when we say stream database, by default, we are talking about SQL as the primary interface. Right? The difference is more about, hey, besides this uh, processing itself, you can also keep uh, the state. Mm -hmm. The state is not in memory. Uh, it can be uh, persistent at the long term, even have a certain cluster behind. Yeah. Then the question is really about, hey, do you really, for example, I know some solutions you can get data from A and uh, combine data from other stuff, even to the join uh, using SQL, mm -hmm. then ship this, uh, what they call the o OBT, uh, one big table, oh. uh, to a system like Snowflake. Yeah. Then it's already everything. Oh, like a hybrid thing. Yeah, it's already joined, right? So yeah. there was uh, maybe 100 different columns. So good luck to this uh, data analyst to create a beautiful chart using Snowflake. That's not, not my problem, it's your problem. Yeah. And I have to do what, whatever I can do for you. Yeah. But if you're talking about, hey, there's a, a data schema drift yeah. or some other PI, then you have to do it again. But it's it's a solution, right? So so depends on the, the when, choice. So when you hear there's like rising wave, mm -hmm. uh, materialize, and then you have, then you have um, uh, decodable, mm -hmm. and then you have time plus, mm -hmm. and so that, the user always is using this SQL interface, mm -hmm. this declarative uh, syntax. But why does one call it a database? You know, why is one group calling themselves a database uh, versus a stream processor? Yeah. So for example, uh, I have many friends in Decodable. So if yeah. you are watching this, hi hi, we miss you and uh, see you soon in, in the in the conferences. Uh, so Decodable is more put into the category of uh, SQL-based uh, streaming processor mm -hmm. in the cloud. Yeah. Right, so this is Flink-based. It's Flink-based, and it's, uh, I'm not sure what the current status, my understanding is cloud-only. Yeah. So if you really believe that is all my stuff is in the cloud, my public cloud or private cloud, uh, and you don't really want to manage that infrastructure by yourself, mm -hmm. and you already have a certain choice for your long-term storage or database or data warehouse such as Iceberg or as uh, Snowflake, then Decodable can be your choice, right? All you want is getting data from ABC 
and uh, do the merge and do the join, do the filtering, and send to a sync or send multiple sync. Yeah, that can be a solution without uh, uh, create the other database in your case. Mm -hmm. And the decouple team did a great job regarding have a lot of source and syncs. Yeah, uh, yeah. So check out that. Um, so we are all in, the, in this uh, coffee coffee space. I want more people drink coffee, not yeah. really go to this coffee shop or the other coffee shop, we are all happy. You can go to the decodable coffee <laughs> shop. Here's the, here's the link. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, other companies such as Materialize, Rising Wave, Tempest, I guess the order is more like from when the company started, I guess Materialize is the first. And then uh, Rising Wave and Tempest, we are close to Rising Wave regarding when we founded, but uh, we take uh, a similar approach, uh -huh. uh, like a SQL-based uh, stream database, but uh, we uh, we offer something different. For example, we have a much stronger uh, OLAP system engine. Uh, it's not row based it's column-based, and uh, other stuff we have, the dashboard alerts, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, uh, some solution for a certain area. But again, we, we try to make coffee, but the coffee, we are in the same category, like Materialize, Rising Wave, Tempest in general, but uh, the coffee shop looks very different. Yeah. Uh, the location is different. Uh, how how the, the ambience the is different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, but a user can expect to get the database type guarantees if they use the streaming database. Yes. So they they don't worry too much regarding uh, consistency. Do I have to pair with the other OLAP? Do I have to choose stuff like Apache Node or Druid or Snowflake or Iceberg? as my downstream. You don't have mm -hmm. to choose downstream. It's up yeah. to you whether you want to just query our database yeah. or, or you send certain data to uh, other systems. Uh -huh. And you can do uh, uh, like clustering and all those uh, stateful stuff. Yeah. yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, I always uh, find that uh, I get questions because I, I think it's kind of difficult to, to pinpoint you know, in a small list the differences uh, between the streaming database and the in the streaming uh, stream processor with the SQL interface, and I think the reason is is because a lot of the jobs to be done can look very similar, um, and until you get into the nuances, yeah, yeah. And I guess we had the discussion maybe in Austin in one of the coffee shop that is, hey, Alex, do you think you should add a, a SQL, SQL interface? interface? Yeah, I guess in the end it's like we we don't really be so huge. Right, and we have a certain focus, and yeah. there are some certain customers really like a certain type of uh, offering. Type of coffee. Yeah, so uh, they- Strictly espresso. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, they don't, want to, they don't want to get a super fancy margarita in a coffee shop, right? Yeah. We can do it if we want. Yeah. Uh, but we don't have to offer every single choices they, they may possibly ask. Cool. Yeah. Well, should we wrap this up? I think we're almost out of time. Yeah, yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's almost, uh, Two hours. Yeah. I think I put the paper in time. I'm so glad uh, we have this talk. Same. It's cool that we got to meet up in Vancouver. Yeah. So we'll have to. We'll see you again in San Jose and on the 26th or 27th or whenever current is. Yeah, yeah. You'll have to come to Santa Cruz and and then hopefully again in uh, November at Scale by the Bay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we all will be uh, in the demo booths uh, in uh, in this uh, conference uh, current 2023 yeah. and Startup Row. Yeah, and go check out uh, the, the booth and uh, uh, I decided are you going to have coffee there, like Precision Dynamics? Uh, I think it's Precision Dynamics. Yeah, we're not sure whether we'll bring a coffee machine uh, yeah. to the to the booth or whether we try to find a nice coffee shop local having certain meetup. 
uh, my talk, even it's not finalized, I will using the coffee a lot. Hey, this is a solution product ABC. Say this is Flink. This is some coffee looks like Flink, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, if you like this idea, let me know. And again, uh, I do think this is a very interesting moment for us to do more about data streaming. Encourage more people to try coffee, even yeah. if you drink tea or water. But uh, go have a try. Yeah, it's I think not that bad. <laughs> we, all, we all have the same goal to like bring more people into the fold. So yes, and uh, maybe having the podcast together with Savannah Mike might be a crazy idea. But uh, uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we we do want to bring some joy to this data engineering side, right? Yeah. And uh, more real time, more fun. Happy <laughs> streaming. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, Okay, goodbye. Thank you. See you next time. See you, everyone.